Well, if you've got a copy of God's Word with you, and I hope you do, turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. My wife and I just got back from a 10-day trip to Italy, and while we were there, we had the privilege of meeting some new friends, eating some incredible food, and and seeing some amazing sights in Venice and, and in Rome and in Florence. We, we saw castles, we saw palaces, and, and we saw churches. Lots of churches, ornate churches, beautiful churches. And, and these churches have had people worshiping in them, some for well over a thousand years years. But I want you to know that that all of the worship that has taken place in those churches and and all of the worship that is taking place in churches today pale in comparison to the worship that is happening right now in heaven. And, And that's what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. We've been talking about worship from heaven's perspective. And that's important because Jesus said that that his kingdom come, his will should be done on earth as it already is being done in heaven. And and so how God's will and, and God's work is being carried out in heaven, we should seek to replicate, we should seek to duplicate here on this earth. And so as we discover how they are worshiping in heaven today, it should compel us to try to worship that way today here on this earth. And over the last three weeks, we've, we've already discovered three truths. We, we've discovered that, that worship, heavenly worship, worship in heaven begins as we are in the spirit. God is a spiritual being, and if we are going to worship him, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. We must worship him in spirit. We will never worship God unless we are in the spirit. And we discovered that that being in the Spirit, among other things, means that that we have been born of the Spirit. God's Spirit has come into us and made us a new person. We are filled with the Spirit. That means we have emptied ourselves of everything else. And we are controlled by the Spirit of God. We will never worship unless we are in the Spirit. Then the second week, we discover that that worship in heaven, heavenly worship, focuses on God on the throne. There isn't worship unless God is on the throne. And as we read chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation, we see that phrase throne or that word throne over and over and over again. God is on the throne. God is on the throne. God is on the throne. And and that tells us multiple things, but, but two things are vitally important to us today. One, it tells us that worship is not about us. Worship is about God. We don't come together as a body to be entertained. We come together as a body to worship the one true God. And so it's not about what you want. It's not about what I want. It's about what is pleasing to God. But God on the throne also reminds us that he is to rule and reign in our life. If God is on the throne, that means he is the ruler of heaven and earth and everything else in between. And if he is the ruler of heaven and earth, then certainly he should rule in our lives. And 
And we're never going to be worshiping God, truly worshiping God, until he is on the throne in our hearts and, and in our lives. Last week, Pastor Steve taught us how worship in heaven involves being in awe of the power and the majesty and the splendor of God, but, but most of all, the holiness of God. When, when we see God on the throne, when we're in the spirit, it will cause us to move to a spirit of all. Because God is all some. He is everything to us. And as we are in all before God, it will cause us to do multiple things. It will cause us to fall to our knees. We see that in chapter 4 and 5 multiple times as they were worshiping God and they just fell down before him in his presence. It causes us to, to give him our everything. They laid their crowns before him. And if we are in all of who God is and we understand that he is holy, he is the only one worthy of worship, it will cause us to give our all to him, which includes not just our money, not just our possession, but our time, our talents, our everything. And if we are in all of God, it will cause us to sing. Over and over in chapter 4 and 5, we see them singing, singing a new song, praising the one who sits on the throne and, and the Lamb of God. And all of these things sprung out of, of the awe that they had when they entered into God's presence. But today I want us to see the, the fourth non-negotiable of heavenly worship. And the fourth non-negotiable of heavenly worship is this. Prayer. Our prayers. The prayers of God's people. The, the prayers of God's saints. You see, as they are worshiping in heaven today, our prayers are a vital part of that. And I'm not just talking about our prayers as we gather together on Sunday morning as a corporate body. I'm talking about our prayers each and every day. Our prayers that we bring to the throne of God are a part of the worship that takes place in heaven today. I want you to listen to what it says in, in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. All of this isn't relevant to what we're going to see today, but I think it's important to give us the context. And, and so listen to what it says. Then I, I saw, and that's John, I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And, and we see those seven seals broken in chapter 6 as, as the... The culmination of human history is taking place. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and, and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or, or even under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or, or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the, the root of David? He has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. 
Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the all the earth, he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, don't miss this, fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now turn over in your Bible to, to Revelation chapter 8. Because we see this again in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 8, verses 2 and 4. In this chapter it says this, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with, don't miss this, the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hands. Now these verses make it clear that the prayers of spirit-filled believers, the prayers of the saints, are a part of heavenly worship. Now, there's no way that, that you and I can, can read the Bible, e even, even at a casual rate, and not see the importance of prayer in the life of God's people. And Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. And when we as God's people really begin to pray, it is then and only then that the presence of God and the power of God is experienced like never before. That's why the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They recognized the importance of prayer. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, these early believers knew the importance of prayer. And they began to pray. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And I just want to give you a, a couple of verses that show us how important prayer is to the life of a believer and to the life of the church. In Acts 1, verse 14, we see the, the early believers gather together in this room. And I want you to notice what they were doing in verse 14. It says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. They were constantly, continually praying. And, and if you read on, you discover that what happened? The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit came upon them and they were filled with power, the promise of God. And as they began to proclaim the Word of God in power, 3,000 men were saved and baptized that day. Here was a church that had no buildings, they had no budgets, they had no ministries to speak of. And yet, through prayer, God's power came down, and 3,000 people were saved. In Acts chapter 2, we discover in verse 47, or verse 41, I believe it is, that they were devoted to prayer. The early church was devoted to prayer. And because of that, verse 47 tells us, the Lord was adding to their numbers daily. So they were gathering in this place, continually, constantly praying. Chapter 2, they were devoted to prayer. 
Chapter 3, verse 1, we read, One day Peter and John were, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was 3 in the afternoon. So we see the early church gathered corporately to pray. They gathered individually to pray. At this particular time, Peter and, and John were going to the temple. This was a Jewish custom. Most likely, most likely this was the very first evangelistic prayer walking. They were going to the temple praying for these Jews who had not yet accepted the Savior to to have their eyes open. And while they were on their way there, there was a beggar there at the gate begging for, for money and Peter and John said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And and he got up and walked. Prayer. The power of prayer. A crowd gathered around them. Peter and John took advantage of the opportunity and proclaimed the good news to the crowd. And the number of disciples grew to over 5,000. Well, because of this, the The Jewish religious leaders got upset. They called them in. They scolded them. They told them not to proclaim the name of Jesus anymore. The disciples said, we've got to share. We cannot but share. And they went back to the church and and notice what they did in in chapter 4. They didn't call a consultant. They didn't have a planning session verse 24 says they prayed says when they heard this they they raised their voices together in prayer to God sovereign Lord you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it and notice how they finished their prayer in verses 29 and 30 now Lord consider their threats enable your service to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus they didn't pray for protection They didn't pray that that the religious leaders would stop persecuting them. They prayed for boldness and power to accomplish the purpose that God had given them. And notice what it says in verse 31, if your Bibles Bibles are open. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. The power of prayer. And that's just the beginning. In chapter 9, Peter prayed and, and somebody was brought back to life. In chapter 13, it was in the, the spirit of prayer and fasting that, that God called Barnabas and Paul to be the first missionaries. And, and they established churches all around the known world. And as they established these churches, these churches began to pray. And this pattern was repeated throughout the known world in church after church after church. And that's why, in a matter of just several generations, the entire known world at that time had come to hear about the name of Jesus. You see, our prayers are are powerful. Our prayers are effective because our prayers usher us into the presence of God. Now, Now, as we look at these these few verses that show us that the prayers of the saints are a part of the worship that is taking place in heaven today, I think that we learn several truths. 
And I want to give these truths to you in the remainder of our time. Here's the first one. I don't want you to write down what's on the screen because I've changed it. Okay? Now, our prayers are pleasing to God. But what I want you to write down is this. Our prayers prepare us to enter into the presence of God. Our prayers prepare us to enter into the presence of God. Notice what it says in verse 8. It says, the elders had gold bowls filled with incense. And then it says, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, if you go back to the book of Exodus, you will discover that when God was giving his people plans to build the tabernacle, the place on earth that represented his presence, he told them to build an altar for burning incense. This altar was right outside the Holy of Holies. And every morning and every evening, the fragrant incense was burned on that altar in the Lord's presence. God even gave them specific instructions on how to make this incense. It was to be a a sweet-smelling aroma to God. But from the very beginning, this incense wasn't just to be a ritual that was to be performed. This incense was associated with prayer. That's why we we read the prophets over and over again telling us that God doesn't want your incense. Because you see, just going through the ritual in and of itself is not what God wants. No, what God wants is is the dedicated prayers of his people. In Psalm 120 or Psalm 141, verse 2, David said this. He said, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. What he is saying is, I want my prayers. To do what the incense is to do. Which prepares the way for entering into the Holy of Holies. The presence of God. In Luke chapter 1 verse 10 we are told this. And when the time for the burning of incense came. All the assembled worshipers were praying outside. You see the incense in and of itself was just a symbol. It was a symbol that that we were entering into the presence of God. And so how do you and I enter into God's presence today? Well, the good news is the Bible tells us. Uh, Write this down, Psalm 100. I'm going to read the entire chapter to you. It's only five verses long. But it's a beautiful psalm. It's one I memorized as a child, but... I want to read it to you in a little different translation. Listen to what it says. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord. The gladness come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then notice what it says. Listen, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him 
and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And so what does God tell us? God tells us that we enter into his presence with thanksgiving and with praise. And so as we begin our time of prayer, we should always first and foremost focus on God. You see, all too often when we pray, we get right down to what we want, don't we? I mean, we tell God, God, I want this. God, I need this. God, you've got to do this. Have you ever done that? I mean, I have. But what the Word of God says is that we enter into his presence with thanksgiving. We enter into his presence with praise. Now, let me tell you what those two things are. Praise is when we honor God for who he is. He is God. He is the creator. He is the sovereign. He is the almighty. He is our redeemer. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He is all of these things. We praise God because of who he is. We thank him for what he has done. And the Bible says, get this, that we're to be thankful in what? In all circumstances. And so what the Bible says is that we not just thank him when when things are going our way, God, I thank you that I got that big raise. God, I thank you that, that that test came back negative and I'm healthy. God, I thank you that, that you spared my child. We thank him even when it doesn't go our way. We thank him when, when we lose our job. We, we thank him when the test doesn't come back good. We thank him when our child goes astray. Why? Because God is a good God. We can trust him. And so we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And so let me ask you, each and every day, do you set aside time to just enter into God's presence praising Him for, for who He is. Study the Word and discover the characteristics of God. And do you thank Him for all that He has done? You see, our prayers prepare us to enter into God's presence. And then second, I want us to change this one too. Our prayers do come at a price... But I want you to write this down. Our prayers are priceless. Our prayers are priceless. Now, now what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that they are of great value to God. And they are of great value to God because they are, one, rare... <laughs> And two, they do come with a price. You see, our prayers today are, are really a rare thing. Very few people are, are really praying biblical prayers today. I mean, everybody 
goes to God when, when there's a need, don't they? I mean, do you remember when the World Trade Centers were hit? Do you remember that back in 2001? I was in Orlando, and what was amazing is that all of these secular outlets that were telling us that we couldn't pray were now encouraging us to pray. It's kind of strange. It was a little odd. I mean, all of these people that said, you can't pray here, you can't pray there, they were saying, pray everywhere. I mean, people that didn't know God said, well, let's give it a shot. And there's all kind of prayers like that. But when it comes to real prayers, prayers that are sacrificial, prayers that are brought to the altar of God, prayers that are of great value, there aren't many of those. And the reason is, they're costly. They come at a price. You've got to give up. First and foremost, you've got to give up your will. Do you remember what Jesus said when he was teaching us how to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. What? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is not about getting your will done. Prayer is about surrendering your will to God's will and and trusting Him. And let me just tell you, there are very few people today who are willing to do that. There are very few people who are willing to come to the altar, which is where these prayers were, and sacrifice their will for God's will. That's why our prayers are priceless. Because very few people are willing to do that. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. But they're also priceless because we have to sacrifice something. If we're going to really have a prayer life, we're going to have to sacrifice time, aren't we? I mean, it takes time to pray. Now, now listen, I know that we pray as we go. I do that just like you do. And, and when a, a need comes to my mind, I, I, I try to pray for that need immediately. I mean, I get, I get texts and I get Facebook messages often. And, and when I get those, I, I immediately, I don't wait until I'm having my time in my closet I immediately go to the Lord in prayer. Why should I wait? If I wait, I may forget to pray. And so we should all pray as we go. But we also need to set a time, a special time, where we enter into God's presence. Where we're not on a clock. Where we've given this time to God. We're in, we're in our prayer closet. Remember what the Bible tells us about Jesus. It says very early in Mark, very early, he left his disciples and went alone into the wilderness to pray. Here's what I've discovered. 
Most of us, because of our schedules, if we're going to have a prayer time that's really effective, we're going to have to either set aside a time in the morning or set aside a time in the evening where we remove ourselves from every distraction and we pray because if you just wait and fit it in as you have time, here's what's going to happen. You're not going to have time. You hear me? You've got to sacrifice that time. It may mean that you, you set the clock a half an hour earlier or an hour earlier. It, it may mean that you determine that, that when you get home, you're not going to immediately turn on the TV. You're going to go into your prayer calls. And I'm not sure when the best time for you to pray is. It's when you're alert. I mean, it's not when you're falling asleep. And so if it's early in the morning, drink yourself a cup of coffee first or something else that will help you stay alert and awake. And if you wake up chirpy, great. That's wonderful. I mean, for me, I've got to drink a cup of coffee before I really have my prayer time. If I don't, I'm going to be falling asleep and I'm going to go, okay, where was I at? What was I doing? But you've got to set aside that time. Our prayers are priceless, and they come at a price. They are brought to the altar where sacrifices are made. Third, our prayers are to be pure as they are brought to the Lord. Notice it says our prayers were in golden bowls. One of the things that they pointed out to us as we were touring some of these churches in, in Italy was that that they they decorated and they built many of these churches not with gold just because it was of great value but they they built with gold because gold was in their minds the purest of all substances and they wanted that gold to represent the purity of their worship to God and as I heard that I I, it just dawned on me. That's like our prayers, and our prayers are in these golden bowls representing the purity of our prayers. Now, I want you to hear me. You see, when we pray and we have undealt with sin in our lives, our prayers are going to be hindered. Several years ago, I I shared this truth in detail, and, and I had someone who was very upset. They were upset that, that I said that, that our sin will keep God from hearing our prayers, but, but hear me, I didn't say it. God did. And listen to what it says in God's Word. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If there was sin in my heart that I was unwilling to turn a loose of, the Lord would not hear my prayers. I want you to hear me. If you have undealt with, unconfessed sin in your life, you can pray and pray and pray. But unless it's a prayer of confession and repentance, the Lord's not going to hear your prayer. Psalm 59, 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will 
not hear. It's not that he cannot hear. God refuses to hear our prayers when we are praying from a sinful heart. That's why, hear me, listen to me, look at me. It's not just important that we enter his gates of thanksgiving and his course with praise. It's vitally important that each and every time we come before God, a vital part of our prayers are confession and repentance. Jesus said in the model prayer, forgive us our sins. Why? Because our sins separate us from God. Our sins keep God from listening to us. Why? You may ask. Because unconfessed sin is rebellion against God. And so when I am living in sin, whatever that sin may be, it may be a sin of attitude, it may be a sin of action, I don't know. But whenever we are living with this unconfessed sin, listen, God is not going to listen to our prayers. That's why it says in James, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And so our prayers are to be pure. Our prayers prepare the way for us to enter into the presence of God. Our prayers are priceless. They come at a great price. Our, our prayers are to be pure. But let me give you one final thing. And that is this. Our prayers are powerful because they go to the Lord. That's what it says in chapter 5. That's what it says in chapter 8. Our prayers are presented in these bowls to the Lord himself. Wow. It's amazing. I want you to listen. The greatest weapon you have available to you is not a nuclear bomb. It's not an automatic weapon. The greatest weapon you have available to you is prayer. Because prayer connects you with the power of God. And the power of God can do anything. Ian Bounds said prayer can, can do anything God can do. The pity is that we do not believe this as we ought. And we do not put it to the test. Edwin Orr said, whenever God is ready to do something new with his people, he sets them to praying. John Wesley said, God will do nothing but in answer to our prayers. What, what can bring revival to our land? Prayer. What can, what can bring us to, to racial reconciliation, true racial reconciliation in our land? Well, well, it starts with prayer. What can, what can bring economic prosperity to America? Well, it begins with prayer. Everything, everything that is of any value starts with prayer. Because prayer connects us with God. And so you see, when we're talking about worship in heaven, 
the worship that is taking place right now and as, as we are here gathered as a body, and, and we're talking about prayer being a part of that, we're, we're not primarily focusing on our corporate time of prayer where we lift up this prayer, where we end with this prayer, where we begin with this prayer. No, it's not that. It's our prayers prayed by saints, people who love Jesus, who have taken time to enter into his presence with thanksgiving in his course of praise, who are willing to sacrifice, they're willing to pay the price to set aside the time and put forth the energy and the effort to pray. It's the kind of prayers that, that originate from a, a humble heart that is willing to confess sin and, and turn from sin. And it's the kind of prayer that, that believes that, that prayer really does change things. Prayer can change the heart of a, of a rebellious son or daughter. Prayer can, can restore a marriage that seems... Impossible to restore. Prayer can change our situation because prayer connects us with God. So, how's your prayer life? Our prayers that we pray every day are part of worship in heaven today. So let's make a commitment to be people of prayer. I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes. And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I want to ask you a question. And you don't need to raise your hand. I just want you to, to think, how is your prayer life? Is it where it needs to be? Does your prayer life show that you really do believe that God wants to save the lost? Does your prayer life show that you really believe that God is the one who can provide racial reconciliation in our land? Does your prayer life really show that you believe that, that your prayers can change the destiny of our nation? Does your prayer life show that? How's your prayers? How's your prayer life? And if it's not where it needs to be, what I want to ask you to do this morning is make the commitment to begin to pray in a way that will be worship in heaven. Now, if you're here and, and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, you've never been born again, His Spirit has never made you a new person then more importantly than you getting your prayer life in order is you getting your life in order with God. And so if you're here and you've never committed your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. You can pray this prayer to him with a humble, sincere heart. Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly acknowledging that I need you. I am a sinner I've disobeyed you. 
I've rebelled against you. Forgive me. I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the dead to defeat sin and death for me. And I'm trusting you to save me. I'm giving my life to you. Come into me through the power of your spirit. Take control. Make me brand new. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me.